welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And today we are finishing the Enchanted Forest Chronicles, which is sad. This week is the last book, Talking to Dragons. And just as a reminder, this was the first one published, but the last one in chronological sequence. Well, I'm glad that it's over. (laughs) But for anyone who is new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescence and share them with each other. This series was suggested by Charles, and I was reading it for the first time. And as the newcomer, you get to summarize our reading. So, diving right in, 17 years after Calling on Dragons, which was the last book, Cimmerine sends her son, Daystar, into the Enchanted Forest with a magic sword and basically no other guidance. He is trying to figure out whatever it is she wants him to figure it out. And in that process, he meets a fire witch, Shiara? Yeah, that's how I think it's pronounced. Okay, Shiara, the fire witch. As well as he meets Morwen, Telemaine, and Kazul, which are, you know, all main characters from the past three books. And he eventually makes it to the castle of the Enchanted Forest. And there he's able to break the enchantment of the wizards. And he is reunited with his father, Amendenbar, and betrothed to Shiara. So, just going around to my impressions. <laughs> I just wanted to say, I thought it was interesting that this book was actually in first person. When all the other books were in third, which maybe that's because... Like Charles said, this was the first book that was published. And so you can think of the first three books we read as almost like prequels or like stories kind of. Whereas like this store, the series is actually Daystar's perspective. And the first books are like tellings of things that happened before he was born. So like I think that was kind of interesting. But overall, I definitely, this was probably my least favorite book out of the four. And I think that it really didn't help with us reading this one last. I actually think I might've enjoyed it more if we would have read this first and then read the first three, just because I really enjoyed like Cimmerine and I liked Cimmerine and Mendenbar. I'm like, even though Daystar and Shiara were like cute and like had like nice moments, it just didn't compare to the originals or as I thought of as the original with Cimmerine and Mendenbar. So for me, this was just like not my favorite. I didn't hate it necessarily, but it was just hard to like it when we were coming off of such a high with like the first two books. I totally get that. I feel similarly. And I do think that I really like your explanation about the first person. I, when I was putting together the outline for this episode and I saw that that was your note, I thought the same thing. I was like, it feels to me like the Daystar story is almost like the present, quote unquote. And the three other books are almost more like the past that are being like retold. Yeah. It just, it kind of reminded me of like how, when we covered the ballad of songbirds and snakes for the hunger games and how the hunger games is told from first person, that whole series from Candace's perspective, but the prequel novel, the ballad of songbirds and snakes, it's kind of a mouthful. It was told in third person Because it was kind of like a story, like, within the world. And, like, yeah, like, history. So, like, I just thought that was interesting. Like, I I did like that, like, little fun fact. Yeah. For me, I do think it's cute. 
I agree. I like the other three books better. I did like Daystar and Shiara's dynamic, but I also found myself missing the Simmerine relationships. I just think they're really, really excellent. So that's kind of how I felt. Okay, well then I guess we can just dive right into the plot from the beginning. So Antarel finally finds Simmerine 17 years later. She melts him, but that triggers her to realize that Daystar now has got to go. So she gives him the sword, tells him absolutely nothing about what he has to do with it, and just deposits him in the Enchanted Forest. And at this point, I was just like, I didn't really understand why Simmerine couldn't tell Daystar anything about what he's supposed to be doing with the sword, because he's basically just been put on this, like, quest almost, but, like, with no instructions, and he's like, basically, you know, just wander the Enchanted Forest with his sword, and, like, you'll figure out what you're supposed to do. Just doesn't seem like the best plan. I... Yeah, so we're going to get an explanation at the end. Honestly, I think it's kind of weak. Like, but whatever. We can talk about that when we get to it. I did write down that I was confused as to why we're being secretive. Like, yeah, I, I you couldn't not notice that. Like, especially because we know exactly what he's going to do. Like, we know what the plot is going to be. So it was a little, un- like, why are we pretending that we don't know? what it's going to be. Now, obviously when the book was written, that wasn't the case, but for us having, now that it's been published as the fourth book, it's like obvious what's going to happen. I did really like though that Daystar, <laughs> Daystar says Simmerine gives her, gives him her, you're not much, but you'll have to do look, which I think is pretty iconic that she has a, you're not much, but you'll have to do look. Kind of harsh to your own son, but yeah. <laughs> yes, that is iconic though. I mean, Simmerine is a girl boss, didn't we say that? Yes, she is a girl boss. Not ironically, actually, in actuality, in reality, she is a girl boss. I will say, I was also just going to know, I do think, like, the confusion and, like, not knowing what's going on, because we read the first three books and we, like, know the connections and, like, what we can expect to happen, I feel like it took away, whereas maybe if, like, we were reading this for the first time and we don't know what's going on, it maybe, like, would have been more interesting and intriguing, but since we, like, know what has to happen... It was more just annoying, I think, like, because I'm thinking, like, when we were reading, like, The Maze Runner and things like that, where, like, you didn't really know what was going on, like, it could be frustrating at times, but, like, it wanted, it made you want to keep reading because you wanted to know what was going to happen. Whereas, like, with this, we already know, or, like, we know what to expect. I think that's a good point. Okay, so, following along with the plot, Daystar heads out, and, like we said, pretty quickly, he meets a fire witch named Shiara. And she doesn't really have control over her fire magic and they decide to stick together and continue on this journey together because she wants to learn more about her magic and he like kind of wants a companion and, you know, while he's on this wild goose chase and it'll probably help his survival like having somebody with him. And they run into a wizard, they break his staff, that eventually ends up burning Daystar. Which, what basically happens is, like, after they defeat the wizard, like, the staff is left behind, and Daystar, and it's, like, broken up in pieces, and Daystar goes to go pick up a piece of it, and it, like, explodes and, like, burns his whole arm and, like, hand really badly, and I was just like, well, this is, like, new information, like, why did that happen? Like, I don't remember this happening at all in any of the other books, like, something like that, and I was like, well, maybe it was because he was holding the sword in his other hand, 
which that ended up being correct. Like that was why, like they just like don't mesh well, I guess. Yeah. Because it's basically a segue to them meeting Morwen, like, and then she tells them the sword is meant for using on wizards. And then she gives them a kitten. Like one, it's incredible that she just gives them a kitten. She's like, this will help you. And it did, but it did kind of... And the kitten's name is Night Witch. Yeah. Which Chiara names the kitten Night Witch, which I did like that. I thought that was cute. I just wish Night Witch would have uh, been able to talk. I think that would have elevated the story for me. For sure. I mean, I do... Isn't that crazy? A more fantastical element would have actually elevated it for me. That's because in book three, the talking cats were the highlight. They were the highlight. I mean, that's the only reason that, like, saved the, that book from being a little bit above this one was because of the talking cats. Also, knowing now that the cats, like bread and like created another generation and Morwen is still like dealing with their children I'm like wow I wish we could get their perspectives but whatever yeah but it's basically just a segue because Morwen is like hello new information sword defeats wizards put that in your memory bank yeah so then Morwen directs them on like because she says that they need to go speak to Kazul, which we know is the king of dragons, and they don't even know who it is. So, again, it, it's just not as interesting because, like, you know what's coming. But we do get a surprise because they run into a princess, which I was already like, I'm going to hate this. Because it is, like, what we got in the first book of, like, the definition of, like, just messy princesses, emotional, hysterical, just, like, an absolute mess. And... Something that Daystar, like, noted at the beginning was that something Cimmerian had taught him was that, like, you're not supposed to make promises in the Enchanted Forest or something. And he, like, is talking to the princess, and he's, like, she's all upset because her knight is gone, and she's waiting for him. And he says something like, well, can we help you? Like, I promise I'll try to help you. Like, he doesn't promise her anything specific, but he, like, catches himself kind of that he's, like, oh, kind of made a promise when he's, like, not supposed to do that. And then what proceeds to happen is where the note I wrote down word for word was, God, men are such idiots because the princess out of nowhere is like, I want your sword. And then Daystar is like, okay, here, I'll give it to you. And Shiara literally goes, Daystar, like yells his name. And I almost yelled out loud too when I was reading it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Literally, the one thing that your mother told you, like, not to let go of, that, like, you need to protect that with your life, like, that's more important than your life, holding onto the sword, and you're just gonna give it to this princess because she asked for it? Like, why would he give it to her? Like, I just was shocked. And also, not just that, so he offers it to her, and then it seems like she's gonna take it, and then I think, I think she tries to touch it, and it, like, burns her or something, and then... Yeah, because it does that to it everyone. It does that to everyone because remember, the sword can only be held by members of the king, the king of the enchanted forest's family. So only Simmering can touch it and he can touch it. So when she tries to touch it, it burns her. And then she's like, never mind, like, I can't take it. And then he's like, are you sure you don't want it? Like, I can give it to you. Like, here, I'll put it in the sheath so it won't burn you. Like, literally is like begging to give this sword away. But like, I just like, to me, like, that didn't make sense for his character. Like, I just don't know why he became so stupid. Yeah, I, I don't think he was quite as willing to give it up as maybe you're remembering it, but he definitely, like... No, he was, like... But he was prepared was to give so, it up, which was stupid. Which is wrong. Like, he's just... No fight. I didn't understand that. 
Yeah. Especially because, like, Shiara basically tries to find, like, a technicality out of how to getting around out of what she said. And he, like, doesn't want to try to get with that. Yeah. Get with the program of, like, finding a loophole. I guess in the moment I was just, like, Shiara's reaction was my exact reaction. Mine, like, too. Like, that is exactly how I would have reacted. Mine, too, but... I was like, what? Mine, too, but also his mom gave him zero information about the specific sword. Like, he doesn't know it's as special as it is. Again, I wouldn't give up but the sword. But she told him, didn't she tell him that, like, you need to hold on to the sword, like, no matter what? Yeah, of course. But, like, she didn't tell him, you're going to use a sword to free your father or else Enchanted Forest Kablooey. But, but I'm saying, I know that she didn't give him full information, but the one piece of information she did say is don't lose the sword. I feel like that would be the one thing you're like, okay, I can't do that. I guess, but maybe you're like, it's a riddle and it's a trick I mean, a trick don't get question. me wrong. When I saw that, I wrote down dumb... And then I wrote a curse word that goes with that. Like, I saw he was being stupid. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's good that he wants to follow his word. But, like, it was a little ridiculous for her to ask for his sword. And, like, very suspicious, too. So. Very suspicious. Because I'm like, she can't even, like, form full sentences without crying. Why on earth would she want a (laughs) weapon? Like. But, anyway. I agree. It was stupid, but thank goodness the sword's like, uh, 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 we're staying with you, Daystar. But so then they meet a dragon and another fire witch who has a Medusa moment, but it's okay because true love's kiss awakens her and then they blow her up and this all leads to them meeting Telemane. And this is where, like, it feels a little bit like... If, you've, if you're a Star Wars person and you've seen The Force Awakens, which is movie seven, like the first of the newest trilogy, I know people like it. It's my least favorite of the new ones that they made. Gosh, we're Be- just making all kinds of Star Wars references now. I guess. But to me, like, it was really annoying because in The Force Awakens, it feels like we're just, like, getting a Disney reunion because it's, like... Oh, we lift the cover, and it's R2 and C-3PO. And then, like, last scene, Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker. And it was just, like, reunion show. And to me, that's, like, feels lazy. And and not natural. Like, and not natural. And I know this book is written, in, again, this kind of because it's reverse order. Like, we're meeting the characters for the second time. For the, this would... Yeah. But to me, because that's we're reading it like it this... it would have been... It would have been interesting to have read this one first. Like, I think we would have liked it better. I think so, too, because it felt kind of forced to be like, and now we meet Telemane. You know, like it felt. Yeah, because we already know all the characters in depth. We had three books with pretty and much And I think that we would have been more excited to meet Telemane in book two when Mendenbar and Simreen meet him. If, like, we know that he's eventually going to marry Morwen, but then we're like, how did this, he come into the story? Because he's not there until the second half. Well, and also because we, in these books, we don't get as much information on those characters as, like, we did in the previous books, like, where we really went in depth with their character. You're just kind of getting them as, this is who it is, this is what happens to them in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. And we also, when they're with Telemane, we get this moment where he tells Daystar that, he shouldn't have used the sword on the fire witch because we kind of skipped over it. But they like encounter a fire witch and Daystar uses it and like it makes a sword really hot and like he passes out because of it or something. 
And Telamine's like, you shouldn't have done that because he could have gotten himself killed, which would ruin everything, which, you know, what is everything? Because Daystar literally knows nothing. And because, like, the sword is only supposed to be used on wizards. Like, that is what the sword is made for. Like, it really doesn't work that well on fire, which is magic, because it's different. So, I don't know. It was just, like, this is where it was just kind of getting like, annoying of, like, how is he supposed to know what's going on when no one has told him anything? And, like, again, because we have the knowledge from the first three books, we know exactly what needs to happen, too. So I feel like it wouldn't be as annoying or, like, feel so stupid if we were also in the dark as readers because we'd want to be like, well, what is it that he has to do? Yeah. So. I I agree. And especially, like, Telemaine's condescension, like, he's kind of condescending in the first few books, but it's kind of funny because it's, like, because he, like, doesn't know how to communicate in any other way. And so you don't think of it as condescending. But now you're like, this is 17 years later. You still can't find a way to be, like, a little more communicative. And, like, I, you know, Telemain, I mean, Daystar is just trying not to die. And he's doing a pretty good job. Well, also, we're, like... I was going to say, you give the benefit of the doubt that, like, maybe Telemaine doesn't realize that Daystar knows nothing. But then I think, but he must, because I think he even says, like, he can't say too much. Correct. So, like, to me, that it's just, like, annoying when it's, like, you've already said that you can't give him that information, but then you're expecting him to know things when you haven't given information. It's, like, you're contradicting yourself, and, like, it's just annoying. And this kind of felt a little video. So this, independent of, like, the book order... This part, this book kind of felt a little video game quest to me. Because, like, it's like, you beat the wizard and you meet Morwen. And Morwen tells you the sword fights wizards. You meet the dragon, you fight the fire witch. And the dragon is allergic to wizards, so wizards are bad. And then you blow up the fire witch and you meet Telamane and Telamane says... The war against the wizards is starting again. So clearly, like, it just felt like we were, like, checking boxes. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, that's kind of how all the books have felt. I mean, I can't, honestly, don't even remember the first one. But definitely the second and third of, it was similar, but it didn't feel, it probably didn't feel that way because it was, like, the first time we were getting it. And even the second time. Because, I mean, in the second book, they're searching for Kazool, like, Simarine and Mendabar team up and they're doing like kind of similarly like they're getting the different levels to like find out the truth and then in the third book they're trying to get the sword back so it's kind of similar but I, I'll say what also took away from that feeling like that is the characters I think we like those characters a little bit better so it didn't bother I mean it was our it was already getting old in the last book and on in calling on dragons so to have the same kind of idea be presented in this book but with characters that we're not necessarily as invested in. And on top of that, the characters are uninformed, but we as the readers are informed. Like, it is just, like, frustrating and, like, yeah, feels repetitive for sure. Well, they, they do reach the final level. Final level unlocked. They reach the castle. So, I have two things. Well, one little note before we get into the castle. But it was just that, also, I don't, know if we like really mention this but daystar and shiara they have the kitten night witch with them and they're also traveling with a young dragon who's unnamed which was wild why is he unnamed well to me that made sense because they said it was like 
because they say that the dragons don't pick their gender until they're like adults, basically. So I could I could see like if maybe they also pick their name when they're an adult, but like they were just they refer to the dragon as like it or the dragon like it's kind of like a non-binary kind of vibe, which I thought was interesting and like sticks How progressive. Very progressive, yes. And so, anyway, so we're, they're with this dragon, and I just loved how the dragon was just talking about how, like, the wizards taste good, like, because they're, like, I think, like, he ate, like, an elf or something, like, the elves, like, are not as feeling, but, like, the wizards taste really good. And, again, just yet again, we're, like, just totally brushing over that these dragons are literally eating people, but, like, okay. I just thought that was funny. I told you. I told you, like... Last week, and, like, I think we're brushing over a fact that they're eating the wizards, even though the wizards are bad guys. I think, like, it's not, I still didn't feel, like, bad for them, because the wizards are clearly, like, they're evil, and they suck, and, like, they're the villains in the story. But it was just funny, like, how, like, the dragon was talking so casually about it, like, like, it could have, he could, like, it could have been talking about, like, eating, like, um... Like, dumplings versus, like, eating, like, pizza. Like, I don't know. It was just funny. Like, how, like... The <laughs> It was just so casual. It was just so casual. So, I just thought that was funny. But, so, now they reach the castle, and they get there, like, in, in the nighttime, basically, in the evening. And cause they meet Kazul there, whatever, and Kazul has them, like, sleep the night, and then in the morning, they wake him up to break down the barrier with the sword, to get into the castle and i just was like when this is all happening because too they've like prepared for battle like why did they not have daystar do it right when he got there because they felt like by waiting they allowed the wizards time to be able to gather and like plan an attack in the morning because also just seems to me it was just like ridiculous like he breaks into the castle and then like immediately there's like a hundred wizards on his tail like first of all aren't there supposed to be like a hundred dragons like defending like how many wizards exist that are like on the wizard's side that they've overpowered or like snuck past these hundreds of dragons i'm assuming and how did they get there so quickly like how did they even know he was there like i don't know to me it's just like all like it was logically i was just like this doesn't make any sense and i was like well maybe it was because you know they waited they gave time so like they were able to like get their informants like they had spies and they were able to see that he was there so, like, if that was the case, like, again, why did Kazul make them wait? Like, they should have just done it right away. And I was like, maybe it was because Kazul was like, she, she really wanted him to be able to rest before they went to this big battle. And, like, also she wanted to eat more wizards, so she, like, wanted the wizards to come. But, I mean, I, I just don't understand, like, again, where Kazul, unfortunately, maybe she's not a girl boss because she's made a lot of bad decisions, honestly, as a leader, I feel like, with the wizards, like, a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. Like, not being proactive, I guess is what it is. Like, they're, she's very reactive, whereas I think as a ruler, you'd want to be more proactive with people who are threatening to, you know, take you down, take everyone down, like... Like Mendenbar. I just didn't get that. What? Like Mendenbar, he's much more proactive. Yeah. But... And I do. I think those are fair points. It ends up really not mattering though, <laughs> because as we've seen in these books, the final confrontation never is that big of a deal. Yeah. Daystar figures out the magic really fast. He frees his daddy from the magical prison. Boom, bam, bum, done. Solve the problem, and they melt the wizards. 
restored Menembar, Cimmerine. Somehow, Kuzul wasn't prepared for a hundred wizards snaking in, but she was able to go all the way out of the Enchanted Forest to find Cimmerine, bring her back. So Cimmerine's already there, taking control. Wait, who? Kazool brings Cimmerine. Cimmerine is there at the end of the battle. Yeah. And it's like, she's at least a couple days away. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a day flying for the dragon, but like... I mean, again, she just teleported there. Like, it made no sense. And that's like the whole plot. Done. Basta. Yep. Well, okay, so now we can talk about the thing that, like, really annoyed us about this idea of, like, why did Daystar, first of all, like, not, why was he not allowed to know about what was going on? Which the kind of explanation they give is, I think Kazool tells Daystar that basically, like, he couldn't know about the sword because if he did know, like, what the sword was, then the wizards would be able to track him. Which I believe, like, Simmerine did mention this in the la- at the end of the last book, which is why, like, she hid the sword. And it was this idea that, like, if you know this what the sword is and, like, you're in possession of it, they're able to track it. But, like, if you're, if you have it but you don't know what it is, like, I don't know, maybe it's like they're tracking your mind. It doesn't, like, really make I, I like, I, she tried to give an explanation, but, like, it doesn't really make sense, at least personally. Like, I don't really buy it. I don't really understand I think part of it... So, it was just annoying. That's all I have to say. I, I th- did think it was annoying. Part of my understanding was that also it had, like, an element of, like, you have to not want it. Like, you have to not know that you're getting all this power. You have to, like, earn the power. And by, like, being nice and, like, being selfless and respecting everyone in the Enchanted Forest. Like, the Enchanted Forest accepts Daystar as the heir. Because if you remember, the heir is not always... Mendenbar tells us this. The heir is not always, the like, the first son. It's the child that is the most appropriate, like, leader of the forest. And obviously, like, Daystar can hold the sword because he's, uh, he's in the royal family. But, you know, maybe this... Like, if he was a total prick like the enchanted forest wouldn't like let him use this sword. I guess they'd have to pick a new bloodline because there's no way Simmerine's gonna be able to get pregnant again her eggs are all dried up after the 20 years that she spent away from her husband so she's kind of their only option uh she could probably have one more kid but I don't think so if she was like like 16 and 7 she'd be pushing it but I guess but also like yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, the Enchanted Forest does accept him. Again, I don't think, like I said, I feel like it's a weak explanation. Yeah. Well, at least Simmerine does get to arrange a marriage for Daystar and Chiara. She's never, she meets this girl. She's met her. Two hours. Her son has been hanging out with this woman for like three, four days. And Simmerine's like, well, when you guys get married. And they're like, oh. I mean, that's literally how Cimmerian Mendenbar's relationship was. So. But at least they were adults, or, like, they were, like, choosing it. I mean, not saying this, not saying... Well, I think Mendenbar was 30, and she was, like, 15, so I don't know if she was an adult. Sorry, that's not what I mean. I mean that, like, <laughs> they were not... The decision was not made for them. They made it. And I'm not saying that Shiara and Daystar didn't like it. But I don't think she made the decision. I think Simmerine was just, like, saying that because she could clearly tell that, like, they probably have crushes on each other. I know. But it's, like, that's that's where you know this is, like, a fantasy kids book because I'm, like, 
you can have a crush on someone, but you're just not going to marry them after four days. But to a kid, you're like, oh, yeah. Well, also, they're... just the idea of just because you're a, a boy and a girl hanging out or, like, on this journey together doesn't mean you have to end up as, like, exactly. in a romantic relationship at the but end. But, like, to kids, you're but... like, oh, yeah, they made it. You're like, oh, love. Like... Also, <laughs> Morwen and Telemaine finally get married. I was like. I feel like that came out of left field, honestly. I feel like it would have made more sense in earlier books. I felt like it was weird yeah, now because, because it was 17 years later. And they seem like they're not in communication. It didn't seem like, like they, they were talking together. as much. Like. It was just like he like broke his arm and they're like, I guess we're getting married. Like, I just. It was like, did they. Because it would have been one thing. And this could have been solved with one line that I will write for you right now, Patricia Reed. We wanted Wen and Bar to be at the wedding. Boom. Solved it. Yeah, that's why they waited. <laughs> they waited 17 years for the King of the Enchanted Forest because they needed a VIP on their list, even though they already had the King of the Dragons. But they wanted Men and Bar specifically, and they knew they had to wait for Daystar to be able to save him. Which is why... Yeah, that would have helped. Just because, like, it, it would have been so cute after, like, the second book when they went on the journey and Morwen was basically, like, watching out for him and telling him he was doing all the magical transporting in book three. like. Then you get a wedding in book two, you get a wedding in book three, then you get a proposal in book four. Boom. But no, we get this very canned, like, we're going to get married. And everyone's like, okay. Didn't see you two interact this Strangers we barely know. Good for you. Yeah. So another big question I had was, so like we said, we've established that this book was written first. I was just... Curious then, I was assuming then that Patricia Reed must have like had a pretty good idea of what she was gonna do for these three prequel novels, or like she had like a plan if she knew she was gonna tell these specific stories. Because in the last chapter of this book, there's like a quick summary of like everything that's happened from Cimmerine being Kazul's princess to Cimmerine meeting Menembar and them saving Kazul and then all the things with Morn in the last book like it was like told like no it's not in detail but like there was a few sentences that basically summarized the last three books so I was wondering if like that was something which I don't know if you would know this Charles of like that was originally in the book and like she just knew like she maybe didn't know she was going to write more books but like she had created this timeline of events in her brain or do you think that those things were, like, added in, like, that line was added in after this book was, like, after the other books were published later on? So this is interesting, because I looked this up, and I'm pulling from Wikipedia, but on the Wikipedia page for this book, there's a long section on changes that were made to the book when it was republished. Yeah, so I feel like, I feel like this would be, have been a change, because it just, it was too specific, it was too specific, but this section wasn't actually listed among the list of changes. I still feel like it was, at least specified. So some of the ones that the Wikipedia article cites, Telemaine's sesquipedalian loquaciousness, which is basically the way he speaks, like, that was his, added like in. super formal, flowing, dramatic language. In the original book, he didn't speak like that. But that was a character trait that was built in, in when he was introduced. So she changed his text to match that. And like the gargoyle in the study, he's a big character with Mendenbar and Simmerine, as you know. That page wasn't... So he has a one page in this book. Like, first thing when, tel, when Daystar gets into the 
Castle, that page wasn't in the original. And, like, Willen, who runs the castle, he was, like, barely mentioned in the original book, but then when it was republished, he got a lot more. And, like, the very first scene, when Antarell comes and finds Cimmerian and she melts him, and she says Argofraster, in the original, she just pointed at him. But then, because the Argofraster spell was invented in the third book, it was updated. So, I do feel like that that last, particularly that last thing where it's like, these are the events of the story, those were at least specified or updated. Even if there, there may have been like a, Cimmerine was always going to be Kuzul's princess, you know, kind of thing, and like... But yeah, it was just like, it was like way too specific. Like, it wasn't like, oh, the story, it was just like, it was literally like a one-sentence summary per book, and it was way too specific. Like, it defined exactly what happened in the book. That's why I was like, there's no way... Or unless she had this master plan, like, that it was that planned out. Like, because it was, like, literally I mean, set up. like authors do like, often. What? Authors do and frequently should, like. But didn't you, you know, say the first book was written, like, a decade before this one or something? This one was written five years before she wrote the next one. I'm more so saying in the sense of it just felt like it was too accurate because, like, again, you could have a general idea, but your ideas change, and it felt like it was too accurate to have been written in the first book. Like, it was literally, like... Yes, I agree. I mean, I, I think that, Like a prediction. That, like, it was just... It was eerie, like, to be like, how did she know that that was what she was going to do exactly? So, so I was just, like, not saying that she didn't have these sentences, but, like, I just feel like they were more specific. I feel like she could have adjusted it to be more specific to what she actually ended up writing. You mean that you think that she you mean that she adjusted it to be incredibly specific? Yeah, like yes. she adjusted it after the that fact to make with. it more specific. So when she originally wrote it, she could have given like a general thing of what she was planning, and then when she actually published those books, she could have rewrote those lines to make it so it was like very specific based on that what actually happened in the three books. That's what I would just guess. Because I was reading this and I was like, how did she know this in detail? Like, I don't know. It was just shocking because I was like, I mean, if she did, go for her. Yeah. Okay. So let's just I'll go ahead and give my final thoughts and then Charles can give his answer at the end of the book and the end of the plot. So for this book, I'll say, like, like, like I've said throughout the episode, Daystar and Shiara were cute, but they just honestly didn't live up to the hype of like Cimmerine and Mendenbar. Like they were just, they were just way more like, they were the superior characters. Cimmerine and Mendenbar were the superior characters in my opinion. And I'll leave, and as I said, I think the talking cats, even in the third book, made me like that book more than I liked this one. And as I said, I think I would have enjoyed this book more if we would have read it first. And for me, the ultimate disappointment of the whole series is we never learned the Stone Prince's name. That that storyline is never revisited ever with um, Eleonora or whatever her name was that was her friend. That storyline is never revisited in the whole series. And to me, that was the biggest disappointment because I needed a line, anything. They could have showed up there at their wedding. Well, I mean, the fact that they didn't show up at their wedding, I felt like was a good sign that they weren't coming back because that's when they, I mean, like we said, that was the event of the century and they didn't show up. Canceled. Maybe maybe Eleonora tweeted something and she got canceled. I don't know. I was just disappointed in that, especially because when we talked about it, I mean, that was, I guess, maybe Charles tricked me. I thought you hinted it like you thought that he had a name. 
I thought though he did too though. Like I actually that's see, this is where you know. When when we predict things of series we've read, we're not always right because sometimes we've forgotten. And like it I didn't I did clearly somewhere in my subconscious know that Morwen and Telman were gonna get together. No, I didn't think it was gonna be like this. <laughs> but um I definitely thought the Stone Prince and Alienor were gonna come back. And they didn't. And that's a hundred percent like I was just wrong. Yeah, so and then I guess my impression of like the whole series, like I said, I liked I think this is a cute series, like and I would like recommend it to like kids to read, but I like I think that I would definitely recommend it. I would read the last book first and then read the first three books. I think I agree. I like the series a lot still. I think it's super age appropriate. I think it's like not like annoying fantasy. I if and when I read it again, I'm gonna try that to read the last book first. Because see if that gives me a different feeling. I mean this will be in like six or seven years if it happens. And also it could set it up too where like because after this this book that we just read, like they do get the happy ending. Like Men and Bar comes back. So you kind of would know that like as the stakes get higher, like in the third book, you know that it's all gonna work out in the end. So like just like how I was angry. <laughs> I was angry in the third book with how it ended. Like, I probably, I might not have felt that way because I would have been like, well, we already read the, like, last book and we know that everything works out in the end. That's a good point. Well, if I read it again in six or seven years, I'll try that. So, I think that's it. Next week, we're going to start our next series. So, we are going to be covering the Stargirl duology by Jerry Spinelli. We're going to read the first book, which is Stargirl, next week. This is an Asia pick, so she recommended these ones, and we've covered we've read a Jerry Spinelli book on the show before, so that's fun. We're going back to him, and after that will be another me pick. And as always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on TikTok and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at seashells on Instagram. If you enjoy our show, make sure you rate and review it. Share it with your friends. Of course, check out the other amazing podcasts we have within our Nerd Party family. And subscribe to our show so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.